Our guest for tonight is a huge social media personality, author of Guerrilla Mindset. He's also the filmmaker behind Silence and Hoax. And contrary to some uh, what may think of him, he is actually the journalist that took down Jeffrey Epstein. This is Mike Cernovich. Thank you for thank coming you on. so much. Yeah. My pleasure. Great to hear from you. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show, Mike. Um, and I've been following you since 2016, like probably a lot of people have. And I was just, you know, interested in the fact that you started off as a lawyer and then you became this sort of massive social media personality and sensation. And then you got on 60 Minutes. How did you, and oh, now you've taken down one of the biggest pedophiles and child sex traffickers in the world that we know of. How did you go all the way from lawyer to, you know, taking down these big um, uh, sleazy billionaires? Well, it was a pathway of knowing what levers to kind of pull. That's where the law, the law background came in, the law backroom set in was there was no way to get a hold of the records in the criminal case involving Jeffrey Epstein, which was a complete disgrace. But then I found – I don't want to call it a loophole, but I found a legal mechanism that could be used to obtain records in a related civil case, and then that's why we sought the, the civil lawsuit. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Like I say, you took down Epstein, but how did you actually do it? Did you like know? Because I know you're involved with Pizzagate a little bit. Did you know uh, already this name was being floated around? How did you actually sort of find the breadcrumb trail? Well, I, Epstein had come out in various names in various legal circles uh, as somebody who got away with a crime. And I looked into it. I'm not sure what the exact year was, but sometime in 2016, when when all the articles surfaced, like Jimmy Savale, um, all this all this other sort of stuff, and that that was where this came up. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember uh, Jimmy Savile from the BBC and all the crazy stuff that was happening with him. Well, yeah, there were a lot. Yeah, there were just a lot of names that came up, and then uh, Prince Andrew came up as having a connection to Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what was weird about all of this is just a, you, you would hear these names pop up, and it all sounded kind of uh, insane, and then you would look into it and find out it's actually true. Well, what do you think about the Prince Andrew allegations? They, I mean, the, the one of the Epstein's victims claims that he was there. Prince Andrew's definitely laying low. There was even that picture that one of the, the British tabloids posted where it showed him smiling like the day after uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> it was, but, you know, that could have been anything, right? You never, you never know, but it was definitely weird and peculiar. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, so uh, what was, do you know, like, what all Clinton's involvement with, like, the Epstein stuff was? Like, was she, uh, you know, was there a lot of stuff going on there, like collusion between those elites? That's, we don't, that's the problem. Epstein died, and now nobody really knows. I remember Bill Clinton had claimed that he'd only been on the airplane a couple of times, <laughs> and then it turns out it may have been 26 <laughs> times. But then the 26 times might have been, like, each leg, so refueling stops. And nobody knew, and unfortunately it's a great failure of journalism, that the media just hasn't been interested at all. And asking him about it, I thought that was pretty telling and revealing that they show no interest at all. Yeah, um. I, I was trying to boost my frequent flyer miles. No, anyway, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, really bad Clinton impersonation. Anyway, <laughs> no, uh, Mr. Servich, I'm a huge fan. Um, 
the whole thing, you read the news, the, the it's just blown up with this Trump impeachment and the Biden, the Biden corruption story. What is it, it, the whole thing is crazy. What is your take on all this? Yeah, there Joe Biden is on video in a way that can't be disputed. Yeah. Claiming he forced a prosecutor to be filed to fired for one billion dollars. And now and now people are saying it's a conspiracy theory to claim that Joe Biden did a quid pro quo. And in fact, there's more evidence of a quid pro quo as to Biden than there was as to Trump. And with with so much of this, you know, we cover this in Hoaxed Movie, which people can get at hoaxedmovie.com. But there's no there's no follow up with the Biden stuff. So maybe maybe the prosecutor was corrupt. Maybe the investigation had been closed. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But the media just tells us we can't we can't talk about this. It's just over. It's a conspiracy theory. The end. And that, again, it's so much in life is what the media won't talk about rather than what they do talk about. Yeah, that's a good point because people, you know, aren't going to realize what they're not talking about because they obviously aren't seeing it. And that's why a lot of us here on this show and our viewers appreciate uh, people like you. Even if, you know, you're on the left or the right, doesn't matter. We get to see alternative voices, new voices on social media that aren't uh, held back by the restrictions of these big media giants that will, you know, you know, puts, you know, they'll, they'll prevent stuff from getting printed because, you know, political bias, but also because they don't think it's profitable, a whole bunch of other reasons. Right. And that's too ideological on the um, the mainstream side. And so you have to kind of counterbalance it and find out what's going on. I mean, Trump in a way has been doing that. His video, I think yesterday, either yesterday morning or this morning, the Biden, the Biden that's some, mm-hmm. it's done like seven, seven million views. And that raises again, legitimate points. People can argue about it, but we're in a world now where we're supposed to not even be able to have that conversation and talk about it at all. Yeah. And that ad too that Trump made is killer. Good. Oh my God. I was watching it, and it's just perfect. He His persuasion skills and his team are off the charts. One of the best. I know you and Scott Adams talk about this a lot, uh, how it's just you know on another level, and that's just a perfect example of it. Yeah, they're getting better. They're, they're going they, – they moved on from the conventional, corny, campy political ads of the GOP because their ads in 2015 and 16 weren't very good. Yeah. And as they've kind of watched – uh, people online, they they learned how to to do better videos. They learned on the internet, basically. Yeah. Last question I'll ask about the whole impeachment uh, shenanigans is like, what do you? Th- I mean, I look at the Democrats doing this, and I think of all the things they think they can get them on, they think it's this one. Like, why do you think they're you know doing this now? Is it you know to you know be uh, you know like give the squad a little something uh, to keep them quiet, or do they actually think they're going to get anything out of this? They, you, you never know when you're going to break someone, and that's why they keep um, coming in and keep going hard is maybe they'll find something. You'll force an error. A lot of it is just like with any kind of game or any kind of sport you can play. Impeachment increases the pace of play um, as to your opponent, and anytime you're increasing the pace of play, and all this is is a game, that's one thing uh, I wish I had learned when I was a much younger person. I would have had a lot less anger. And now where I'm just cynically view this all as a game and, and none of these people even care is they they're forcing Trump. They're pushing the pace. They're driving the narrative. They're trying to drive him crazy. And they also don't have they don't have any kind of agenda. Right. Yeah. They they have no agenda, no other way to fight him. 
So what they're doing is they're pandering to their fringe element, to the, the resistance base, because that's where you're going to get all your money from. We'll see what we'll see whether it's going to backfire though in the general election. I, I, if it doesn't turn up something, I, it feels to me very much like going all in on poker. If mm-hmm. it doesn't lead to impeachment, then Trump's going to win because they've all looked very ridiculous. Oh yeah, totally. And they can't because it's like they're not. They're never going to get the Senate. They're never going to get like this. It, this is a. It would take. I, I shouldn't say never, but it's like <laughs> never say never. The odds are just. So minute. So, so, minute. So, so minute. You know, like kind of going back to that whole impeachment thing, like, why do you think they're doing this now out of like all the times to do it? Like Trump's going to be up for reelection in like what, like six, like 12 months, something like that. Why are they doing this at the last minute? Is it because all their candidates suck? Yeah, their candidates suck. They're getting trounced. The the front runner was Joe Biden, who doesn't have any kind of uh, chance really against Trump. They and they weren't accomplishing anything, and they created hysteria over RussiaGate that we now know is one of the greatest conspiracy theories of all time, yeah. and certainly one of the greatest within my lifetime. And now they have to have something. They ca- they don't they can't talk about the issues for twelve months. But and besides, well, the only political issues they care about or want to talk about is uh, pronouns and I mean there I don't know if you saw that clip of Cory Booker talking to someone where she said I'm a you know here's my pronouns and then she said something like I'm a vegan something 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 and he, he had this like deer in the head like look like oh god what what have we wrought right and the whole point of her question was saying uh, I, who's the most oppressed that's where the Democrats are headed to policy wise and you you can't have that for 12 months they want to push the agenda and plus they're very aggressive and they they accuse that's uh, right out of Alinsky is right Alinsky says and um, uh, other propagandists other Nazi propagandists that Alinsky no doubt got inspiration from they would say just accuse 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 make them deny so now yet again Trump is being forced to deny something uh, untrue but that's still at least giving the attack and giving the Democrats a reason to attack well, yeah, so you, I know you brought up uh, Saul Alinsky over there. One, I read uh, Rules for Radicals a few months ago, and, like, one of the big things I found on there was use the enemies, like, you know, their standards against themselves. And you finally see the right starting to do that now and, like, this whole cancel culture thing coming out. Like, because I know people, you know, laid criticisms at you for, uh, what was it, James Gunn for getting him, like, fired. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you feel about, like, that tactic of using the left's own, like, cancel culture against themselves and, and just cancel culture in general? If, if tweets are going to be – if people are going to lose jobs over tweets – then why 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 should the left get a pass for their tweets? They'll go, oh, well, we were just joking. Well, you you said it wasn't a joke if Sean Hannity, yeah, you know, or somebody if somebody like Sean Hannity had tweeted that ten years ago, you wouldn't be saying it's a joke. But anytime something on the left hits is a joke, I mean, even a more recent experience, their example is the the Iowa beer guy. He tried to raise beer money and he ended up getting all these donations for a charity, and then a former BuzzFeed reporter who was working at the Des Moines Register, found a couple of jokes from the guy when he was 16, and the jokes were even Tosh O references. But in the reporting on the guy who is now 24, Carson King was his name, the reporter 
left out that oh they were Tosh O jokes. So you know you know how it is. You're watching the uh, you're watching a comedy special. You're tweeting jokes back and forth on your friends. You're 16. You live your life and you forget you have those tweets. Well, that that got reported, and then it turned out that the Des Moines, Iowa reporter had tweets that were way worse than than um, Carson King's, and he had a lot more. And so we reported on it, and he ended up getting fired from the Des Moines Register. But in an article in BuzzFeed, the little crybaby says, oh, my, my tweets were twisted out of context and used against me by right-wing ideologues. But so when, so when he finds joke tweets from a guy when he was 16, then that's just he's a reporter. But when people like me find tweets from this person when he was working in journalism, the um, Aaron Calvin, I think was his name. Then yep. well, that's not reporting. That's just ideologues. And go go after yourselves, guys. Go go after yourselves. We we have to all live by the same rules. And if um, tweets are newsworthy, then they're newsworthy. If they're not, they're not. Yeah, that's a good point. And I I did see this story actually. It was from I think Scott Adams retweeted you on this, and it was you know absolutely ridiculous what was happening. And you know you, I read rules for radicals too actually just over the summer, and I'd say. If anybody doesn't get how the political game works, you got to read that book. It, you know, even if you think the tactics are good or bad, this, these are the tactics people are using. This is how the game is being played. And the Democrats, you know, Hillary Clinton uh, wrote her college thesis on Saul Alinsky. And I bet AOC has read up on Alinsky a lot. And I know you and Scott Adams, I'm, I'm going to mention them a lot because you guys point out some, but you know, you guys sort of, sort of on the same uh, wavelength on a lot of these things. You were both the first really people to predict AOC would rise to a star level from day one. How do you think she's been doing persuasion and energy wise right now? And where do you see her going next? Well, once, once her, um, handler or whatever left, you notice her tweets don't get much talk anymore, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was the, the it kid and clapping back and her Twitter game was so strong. And then a number of people, myself included started to think that she was, um, she's a great actress, but she need or a great singer, and she needs somebody to give her the lines and give her the lyrics. Yeah. And ever since her chief of staff left, and he was a total like, I mean, you want to talk about somebody flirting with evil? You know, they they both had come out in favor of um, Stalin, Stalin tactics, re- repressive regimes, people who committed all kinds of genocide and atrocities. And but I knew that I knew that she was a star for a number of reasons. One is it it's sort of um, I don't want to be too solipsistic, but if I'm on my Twitter account and I'm seeing her tweets, then I already know she's she's breaking through, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, because I didn't seek her stuff out. And now she's breaking through, and then people are taking the bait in a very predictable way, like, oh, look at how dumb she is. And then I would read her yeah. tweet and say, actually, no, this isn't dumb. Um, this is because people in politics tend to think that if, if it's a bad idea, it must be a stupid idea. But these are two different things. Um, communism is an evil idea, but it isn't a stupid idea because people like AOC want communism so that they can oppress and harm people and put people you know, to, to so that they can be dictators. So that's not a stupid idea for them. That's a quite good idea. It's a quite intelligent idea. That That doesn't mean it's not an evil idea because it is. So so often in politics, people go, "Oh, that's a dumb idea. This is stupid. This is moronic." You're like, no, actually, there's, they're they're playing you and they're drawing you out to get you to amplify their message, knowing that some percentage of your followers are going to like them, and then mimetically they're they're getting this kind of notoriety. And uh, her her tweets were amazing, but oh, then yeah. 
their chief of staff left, and now you hardly ever see them. Yeah, and I know too, because uh, I'd say on this show millions of times, but guys, this girl ain't stupid. Don't underestimate her. And when I heard her say at the border, she said uh, that the, the, the detainees there in the ICE facilities were drinking out of toilets. That just put my antennas right up. I knew that is engineered. That is totally visual, strong persuasion. That is stuff that's killer. Yeah, these people. Yeah, it was a good visual, and it was what frustrates conservatives is that it's a lie. But I feel like very frustrated with conservatives who are frustrated. It's like a turtles all the way down, right? It's frustration all the way down. Like this is what they do. This is they lie. This is what they do. This is the way they play the game. And then meanwhile, you know, conservatives are crying about Trump being too mean. And I said, no, Trump is playing the game like they play the game. They play the game still even dirtier than Trump does. And they're saying, yeah, drinking from toilets. And then you, you have find out, no, actually, there's a water fountain attached to it. It's a different uh, description. But doesn't matter. The damage is done. People are radicalized and people are going to. There was a guy, for example, in Washington who was trying to commit a terrorist uh, attack on ICE. He was trying to do a mass shooting, it appears. But they, he was stopped before he could really do uh, full damage. You don't hear the media talking about that, right? No. There's all these no. stories. Or even on the East Coast. Um, the three members of Antifa were arrested for attacking United States Marines, and when they um, attacked one United States Marine, they called them SP blank um, C, which is a you know, very bad racial slur for Hispanics. Yeah. And no media coverage. It got like a little local press. Could you imagine if three three members of the Proud Boys or three members of the mm-hmm. College Republicans had attacked Marines and, and used that kind of racial language? And the irony, of course, too, is one of the people – you can't script this unless we do live in a simulation, in which case it it is all scripted, is one of the men who was arrested, a white man who called the Marine the racial slur, ran a DC account, a prominent account that cooperated with members of the local media and and national media, and it was Smash Racism DC. And now Smash Racism DC, bro, is facing criminal hate, criminal hate <laughs> charges against an Hispanic <laughs> Marine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the meanwhile, the Proud Boys defend themselves, and they're facing 15, 20 years in prison. Right. And, and that's the problem, too, and, that, and that's how dishonest it all is, because if you don't, like, if you don't read me, you would you wouldn't even know. I'm, I found the guy's name, Joseph Alcoff. You wouldn't even know that these people existed and that they were arrested. Yeah. Even though it is, and this is quite egregious behavior. And then, of course, when the Proud Boys get into mutual combat with Antifa, you know, Antifa shows up, and the Proud Boys fight them back. Yeah. Then somehow the Proud Boys become the hate group, and then what? What Antifa does gets ignored, and then you fight. Or even now, the the uh, ADL is saying the. You know, that Antifa, they just – they said Antifa confronts white supremacists. No, that isn't what they do. No. They go looking for fights. They protest Dinesh D'Souza. Yep. They protest any kind of conservative thing. And that that information then, though, of course, is all laundered up the charts. So then when, when Proud Boys get into a mutual combat situation with Antifa, people who don't really understand these issues go, oh, gosh, the Proud Boys, are they – you know, they must be like the Hell's Angels on on, on steroids. And <laughs> you realize, no, it's just a, a drinking club. And they, you know, would get fights with the Tifa when Antifa started those fights. So. Yep. Hmm. Well, uh, uh, let me let me let me throw a little side note in here. Uh, I, so I like to uh, so I, I like to drive to like upstate New York because I like to go see friends. Yeah. And so I cross 
So one of the things I do is I cross the Tappan Zee Bridge, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and, I, and I've done this for years. But anyway, I recently did it, and I noticed that they changed the name of the bridge to, uh. to Governor, check this out, <laughs> Governor Mario Cuomo bridge uh, right that's the that's his dad right yeah. that's the current governor's dad i was like i was like look that, that so tappan Zee is uh, named after like native america like tappan Zee native americans so it's, it's like oh screw these native americans i'm gonna i'm gonna name this after my pop anyway sorry about that i digress um so this impeachment thing so the, so the whole impeachment thing i kind of think it's a it's a a method for the Democrats to kind of indirectly take out Biden for me. Cause I don't think, I don't think that you can do this inquiry without, you know, cause pe- too many, too many people are going to dig up Biden. They're going to dig up his history. They're going to dig it up. They're going to blow it up. Nobody's going to let that go. Even, even if, even if MSNBC and CNN turn a blind eye to it, there's too many people that are just going to like throw it, throw it in front, front of the media. Uh, anyway, who do you see as a front runner to lose to Trump in 2020? <laughs> I thought I thought the media, well, not that I thought I knew for a fact the media wanted Kamala Harris, but I didn't see that Same. happening. And I yeah. I thought Warren I thought Warren was going to get it, and I mm-hmm. still do think that Warren is going to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking Kamala Harris for the longest time because she had the right donors. She had the media backing her, and she had the right demographics uh, checkboxes all checked. And Warren, I, I guess maybe they're going to have to push her now because Kamala's campaign has fallen so much apart. Unless they're going to swing her in as a VP, I, I, I mean, I think they're changing their strategy right now. I, I don't think that Warren's going to do too well. Like you've seen, Trump already has the nicknames for her. Yeah, Pocahontas. Yeah, she- yeah, like she has so much dirt, and like I, I heard there was a story that like all the Democrats, like really top people on Wall Street, they would not donate to her campaign because of what she was saying about uh, some of these taxes she was proposing. Like it's it's insane. Like they, the only one I think who would actually have a decent chance against Trump would probably be Yang, and I still think he's he would lose face down because no one's gonna support you know like paying people thousand dollars a month, but you get enough people out there who go and sit and watch anime all day that probably wouldn't enjoy something like that. But Alex, what about Bernie Sanders? <laughs> yeah, do you think Bernie sold out, uh, Cernovich? <coughs> no, I don't yeah, I don't think Bernie um I don't think Bernie sold out. I just I think he he hit his maximum um exposure. Mm. He hit maximum uh, name recognition and there was no other way for him to go. So the way the way I, you, these um so Trump, for example, if Trump hadn't been a worldwide phenomenon known by everybody before he ran, he would not have won. Yeah. And Yang is not going to be known enough. And that's why the, they have all these polling requirements, the, the the media in collusion with the DNC. They're trying to make it hard for people like Tulsi Gabbard or Andrew Yang to get any kind of interest about them or any kind of notoriety about them. So then you go – they have to know who you are. And then they have to like your ideas. Well, Bernie, he, he, Bernie was a, a known entity, maxed out. Everybody knew who knew who he was from the last race. Everybody knew his ideas, and that's why he hasn't been going up. Because what what reason was there for him to go up? Elizabeth Warren wasn't nearly as well known as Bernie Sanders. She got a little bit of attention during the bailouts in 2012. 
uh, in her Senate run, she got a, she got a good amount of press, but not that that saturation press where everybody everybody knows who you are and everybody knows what you're about. And now that she's getting that, the media and of course that's why they tried to give that to they tried to give that to Kamala Harris. Uh, I, I give an example of there was uh, a guy Ali Alexander on Twitter who tweeted yeah. out something about her background, and I won't say it because I don't want to get your radio station flagged. But you know, it, it, it was <laughs> just you. along the lines of Kamala Harris used to advertise herself as the first Indian American senator, and um, and and that was her thing, and then she switched and pivoted to you know play up the really high African American angle, even though she grew up in Canada. So so anyway, um, very complicated, but it wasn't the kind of uh, comment on Twitter that should have got media saturation coverage. They covered it for nine days. Yeah. Every network, some obscure, rel- relatively speaking, I mean, it's not obscure, but that, that certainly was worthy of saturation coverage. But that was the media's way to try to put her over. Oh, we have an excuse to talk about Kamala. Let's talk about her for nine days in a row. But people weren't interested in her and her ideas, and everybody gets the sense that she was um, an evil person. She kept innocent people in on death row, and you, you just get the feeling that okay, she's not gonna she's not gonna go rise up either. But Warren can, yeah. I mean, Biden still, you know, Biden still um, might, <laughs> yeah. He, I senile, but he, he's still. He's still in it. They'll push him there, even if he's in a wheelchair. They'll still roll him in. Um, but I, you know, uh, I, I've noticed that both you and Scott Adams have talked about this huge energy shift that's happening. It's either already happened or it's still in the process of happening. What is the energy shift? What does it mean for America? And, you know, what are your final just sort of projections of, you know, beyond Trump era? It's, that's a great question. I've been talking to a lot of friends about that too. It was about a year ago, and I just a lot of people I talked to independently noticed really strange um, feelings, sensations, body aches. Something just fell off. And I'm not a superstitious person. I'm not a religious person. In fact, I grew up religious and and you know believe things. You know, you believe what you're indoctrinated into as a child. Yeah. So I'm like the, the least superstitious person in the world. And then, I, like forty, you know, forty. I'm forty-two, I guess, pretty soon. I started to just feel weird, like a year, year and a half ago. And a bunch of other people, just like me, they're like, "I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any of this stuff. I don't believe in magic. I don't believe in Marine Williamson. I don't believe in anything." Right? <laughs> Everybody just like felt off. And then you had all these strange things, like Kanye West coming in with the MAGA hat. Yeah. Right. What? What the hell? Where? Where did? Where did that come from? Yeah. How did that happen? And then you notice uh, increased radicalization, polarization, which is happening, uh, more kind of uh, terrorism, more people losing their minds because in a in an energy shift, and I call it that just for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. but people people do begin to lose their minds. And Antifa certainly has lost their minds, but on the other hand, there were people losing their minds. You know, the Christchurch shooting, the the synagogue shooting in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, there was a El Paso. So people are losing their minds. In, in very bad ways. So people who are in tune, I think, to this energy, but are a little bit more mentally rigorous or strong, are going to feel just a little bit off. And that's how I felt. And that's how a lot of people, Scott Adams himself and other people who have, again, not superstitious people, not we're not people who are even religious at all, just fell off. And then when you see all these things happening where people are just completely losing their minds, 
the the energy sh- shift starts to sound a little bit less weird and a little less superstitious. So it's basically a shift towards clown world. Well, it's a shift towards something, but we don't know. Yeah. It's, um, it's a shift in you know the unconscious, collective unconscious mind. We do know, for example, that the because energy shift is hard. It's kind of like gravity. Where you you know gravity is there, but what is gravity really? You can define it. You can write it. A, you know you can write an equation. You can do your math for it in physics. You can make all your predictions on it. And the same is true in a way of of energy. Like you know what is it? You can kind of feel it. You can notice it, for example, or the effects of it. For example, there have been great. It was the revival. George Whitfield did these huge mass revivals, and you notice there's these major popular delusions, major popular trends. So right now, you know the world's going to end in 12 years, sure. and th- these people believe it, and they're breaking down. And it's like a mass hysteria, even though whatever your opinions are of of climate change, it's not. The world's not ending in 12 years. You shouldn't be telling kids this. So there's something there's something behind that in some way that we collectively and all at once tend to believe something and because now the way media is fragmented different people believe different things but the energy is underneath it all wow that's an absolutely perfect way to end it where can everybody find you uh at? well the best thing they should do is watch uh, my movie hoaxedmovie.com h-o-a-x-e-d-m-o-v-i-e.com and, you know, get a feeling for what we're talking about, just media's narrative and even and people listening in who are uh, lefty. This is we made the film for everybody. So I've had a lot of people who are going in there with one expectation and they're pleasantly surprised that it's a little bit different. Wow. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Sandwich, for coming on. We had a great, great, great time well, with you. Thank you, you very on. much. Yeah. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yep. Thank you. Have a nice day. See ya. Bye. Take care.